The message you are listening to was recorded by Campus Outreach for the 2022 Campus Outreach New Year's Conference. More information about Campus Outreach New Year's Conference can be found at conycindy.com. Okay, uh, my name is Andy Harden, and um, I'm doing the seminar, I'm Struggling with Blank, Can I Still Be a Christian? And we're going to talk about character today, and um, a little bit about me. Uh, there's my picture of my family when uh, I am, I've been on staff for, this is my 18th year, so before that I was a teacher and a coach uh, in Georgia for seven years. So I am a Bulldog fan. Any Ohio State people in here? Sorry for Saturday. Um, excited about the game on Saturday. Um, but I am the regional director in Lexington uh, now. So UK, uh, at UK and EKU and Center and NKU. And um, let's see, what else? My, one of my daughters is in here, Leah. Uh, she's right there on the far right. Hannah is a senior at University of West Georgia. Uh, Drew's 13 with the shaggy hair in the back. And then Bo is 11. Uh, he is in fifth grade. Uh, my wife, Monica, we've been married. It'll be 25 years in August. So I'm excited about that. Um, so who am I? Well, uh, I... Um, I love my job. I love what I do. I'm thankful. I was a teacher and a coach before, like I said, uh, but I really feel like uh, the Lord wired me to be a campus minister, and not only that, to shepherd our staff team. I love our staff. We've got great staff, and I count it a privilege to be on staff with Campus Outreach. Why did I? Ch- I got to choose this topic, um, a study on character, and I think uh, it's a, it's very important uh, because. Um, it's throughout the scripture, and I think a lot of times college students get confused about some of these passages we're going to go over, and I think it's helpful. How many of you uh, came to my seminar last year when it just said, uh, can I blank and still be a Christian? Were any of you in here? Okay, a couple of you. Okay, not very many. Well, the only part, uh, there's only one part that's the same as last year, and that's this first part. It's going to talk about um, just what is a real Christian and what does salvation really mean? And so we're going to dump in, jump into that. I'm going to pray for us. And then we're going to look at James 2. If you have a Bible, you can turn to James 2 to start with. I'll have it up on the screen as well. Uh, but we're going to look at that first. So pray with me. <clears throat> Lord, thank you so much uh, for the privilege of being a Christian and being here at this conference to grow in our faith, grow in our understanding of you, grow, grow in our relationship with you. Lord, I I pray that this seminar is helpful. I pray that uh, these students will walk out of here having a better understanding of who you are, this, what the scriptures say, and desire to grow in their character. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. And like I said, I, I do uh, think this is a very important topic um, because I, I feel like in our country especially, a lot of us don't understand what a real Christian is and how that relates to doing good works and uh, good deeds. And we often, um, as uh, John O. said this morning, get confused about good works and what those mean. So I want to first just start out is what is a saving faith? Okay, what is a saving faith? So we're going to look at James 2, 14 through 26. 
Um, and if you will read 14 through 20 and you read 21 through 26, that'd be great. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God, and it was to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. All right, great. One of my favorite passages. Uh, flip back one screen to, uh, we're going to look at three verses from this passage. First, verse 17. So also faith by itself if it does not have works, is dead. Okay? Somebody speak back to me. All right? Interactive. All right? What does that mean? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Tell me what that means. Somebody tell me what that means. That's not a professional Christian on staff at Camps Outreach. Right. You call yourself an athlete, but if you're not doing anything... To show that you're an athlete, are you really an athlete? Good, good, excellent. All right, so faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And so what that means, if you, don't, if you have a truly saving faith, okay, you are in Christ, all right, there are going to be works. You're going to produce fruit. And we're going to look at that in just a minute, a little bit in depth. But there's going to be works if you have a true saving faith. Okay, good. All right, look at verse 19. Go to the next screen. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. All right? Tell me that. Okay, that's 19. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Somebody tell me what that means. Yes? Just uh, believing that God is real is not enough because even the demons. All right. Okay. He said, even uh, believing that God is real is not enough. Okay. Because even the demons believe that. I mean, Satan himself believes that there was a Jesus Christ that died on a cross, right? Okay, so that kind of faith is called objective faith. All right, you believe, yeah, there was once a Jesus. He claimed to be the Son of God. He claimed to die on a cross. He claimed to rise again. You can have an objective faith, but not have a subjective faith, okay? Okay. Uh, you, you may have heard this before, um, but it makes a lot of sense. You can be 12 inches away from salvation, from your head to your heart. You can have a, a belief in your head that there was there is a God. And, I, you know, there used to be a stat that, and it's definitely not true anymore, but 90% of Americans believe in God. And I would argue that that was an objective belief, not a subjective belief, where it was in their heart. 
and they were actually following Jesus, following the creator of the universe. Okay, So the demons believe that there's a Jesus. The demons believe in God. But what's the difference between them and a true believer? A true believer follows Jesus. A true believer desires to honor God, wants to live for God. The demons do not. Satan does not. Okay, He believes in Jesus, but not subjectively where it changes his heart and changes his life. Okay, that's big. That's big for you to understand. If you have never understood that before and your life doesn't look like a Christian, you may not have a saving faith. Okay? And um, the Lord may have led you to come to this seminar to hear that. And that's good. That's good news. Because Jesus is speaking to you from his scripture. Right? So does that make sense? You can have an objective faith or subjective faith. Subjective means it has changed you. It has changed your heart and you want to follow Jesus. Demons don't. Real believers do. Okay, great. All right, last verse, 22. You see that faith was active along with works and faith was completed by its works. All right, so what does that say? Anybody take a shot at that one? You see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. Absolutely. Okay. Um, we get confused in the Christian world that if I work hard enough or any, really any human being, if I work hard enough, I'm going to obtain favor from God. And that is not the gospel. The gospel is he has saved you. And so now you desire to do good works for him. And there are actually good works, good deeds that you do. Your, your life looks different because of that faith. It is active. All right, very good. So what is a saving faith? All right, the first one is you believe the gospel, right? What is the gospel? Good news, okay? If you hear that Jesus died for your sins and that is, uh, does not move you in any way, okay? That is just something that's head knowledge and it doesn't change you in any way, that might be the objective faith again, not the subjective. But if you understand the gospel, which means I'm a sinner, okay? When I was uh, sitting in your chair, when I was a, a, a college student, um, I said, yeah, I got sin. I mean, everybody's got sin. You know, everybody falls. Everybody struggles for something. I got sin. But my sin was very minimalized. Yeah, minimalized because of my pride. All right. I didn't see how the depths of my sin. And when I start, started to see how selfish I was, how prideful and arrogant I was on the inside, people on the outside thought I was a good old boy. And, and you know, outwardly I was moral. I was very moral, very moral. But inwardly there was full of self-glory, self-pride, self-glorification, arrogance. Okay. And when I saw that in me and it became gross, it became ugly, um, that's when I saw my need for a Savior. So at some level, you know, Campus Outreach um, talks about sin a lot. Okay, if you've never been to one of these events before, you might have heard that word a lot. And I know we do. But you've got to understand the bad news before you can understand the good news. Okay, 
The bad news is none of you in this room deserve to go to heaven. I don't deserve to go to heaven. None of us do. Okay, that's the bad news. We actually deserve much worse. We deserve hell. And when I heard that, that like kicked me in the stomach because I thought I was good. The bad news is you, you don't, you're not good. No one is righteous. No, not one. But the good news is, is that the Father sent Christ. And that when I understood how sinful I was and that I needed Jesus, Jesus became very real in my life. And I began to love him and want to follow him and want to grow in my faith and grow in my understanding. If you're sitting right there and you're like, you know, I see people who are passionate about Jesus, who love Jesus. And that, that was my mom. Um, my, so my mom um, passed away October the 6th this year uh, at 71. Godly woman. Um, I used to see her sitting on the couch, reading her Bible, highlighting. And I remember when I was younger going, I don't love Jesus like that. She, she, she loves Jesus and is passionate about Jesus and growing in her faith. And I'm not like that. I want that, but I don't know how to do that. And so over the years, I, when I understood the depths of my sin, I now had a passion for Jesus. I now wanted to grow in my faith. And so uh, if you don't have that passion or a desire to grow and develop your relationship, you probably don't see the need for Jesus. Okay, so that's one thing I want you to think about. To have a saving faith, you have to understand the gospel. Secondly, you have to believe that Christ is the only way to be saved. And this is a tough one for our day and age in our culture. Um, you, you've heard the analogy of uh, heaven or God is up on the top of a mountain and there are many paths to this one true God. Many ways to get to heaven. As long as you're good, moral, you follow rules, you can get to heaven. And that sounds good. That sounds very kind and generous and loving. But if that is the case, Jesus would not have to have died a brutal death on a cross and absorbed the wrath of the Father if there are many ways to get to, to heaven. Like that's discrediting Jesus' death on the cross by saying, no, as long as you're a good guy, you can get to heaven. Or a good girl, you can get to heaven. No, it's through Jesus. That's what the scriptures teaches. Jesus is the way, the one and only way to be saved. Thirdly, you must trust and follow Jesus. And it's more, especially in the beginning, it's more of a decision, an action and decision than a feeling for some. Okay, some feel, need, I've got to have Jesus. Okay, some, I'm going to follow Jesus and trust. Uh, if, you, if you've read the book of John before, Jesus tells his disciples that he's about to die. He tells them, He's about to go to the cross and, and experience a brutal death. And then in 14.1, he says, trust in God, trust also in me. And he's, <laughs> that music, he's not saying uh, to have a, a feeling and, and, and towards me. They're feeling sad. They're feeling discouraged. Okay, but he's saying trust, actively trust in me. Make a decision that you're going to trust Christ. And that's a part of a saving faith. You can make a decision today to follow Christ and to uh, live for him. So what does this saving faith produce? We, we've already talked about it a little bit, but here's, here's a little more. 
A saving faith produces relationship. Okay? Uh, relationship. If, uh, when, how many of you, uh, raise your hand. I know this is awkward for you, but how many of you are dating somebody? Raise your hand. Awesome. Okay. Now, to date someone, you have to talk to them. You can't just sit beside them and not communicate. You can't just be on the phone and not say anything. You have to get to know them to develop that relationship. It's very similar with the one and only true God of the universe. You have to talk to him. You have to pray. Okay? Not because you have to, but because you get to. All right? So to develop your relationship with Jesus, you pray. You talk to God. All right? For him to talk to you is through his word. Okay? We have a clear revelation of his word that he talks to us through it. That's how we develop our relationship. So if you have a saving faith, you will desire to have a relationship with God and you will pray and you will read his word, right? That is a desire. That should be a desire of your heart, all right? Secondly, conviction. You should now have conviction about things in your life. Conviction is a firmly held belief, all right? So it may not say in the scriptures clearly that you shouldn't do this, but you should have a personal conviction towards it. Okay. We're about to get to some of the blank stuff. All right. But it may not say clearly that you don't need to go to this seat, watch this movie in the scriptures. Right. But you should have a conviction one way or the other. All right. If you should, you should go watch something uh, that's questionable. All right. So, Saving faith produces conviction. Thirdly, saving faith produces love. And when I say love here, I'm mainly talking about love in action. Yes, love in warm, fuzzy feeling, Eros love, but I think it's 95% of the time in the New Testament, the Greek word is agape. Okay, and agape means love in action. Right, so if you... Um, have a saving faith, you will want to love people through actions. All right? It could look a thousand different ways. It could be doing your roommate's laundry. It could be saying kind words. It could be saying you love you. But, but it is an action that we're talking about here, not just self-serving, okay? Loving people through action. And a lot, and from experience and from uh, the scripture, you see that Jesus tells us to love our enemies. Okay, right? Um, all these distractions. Jesus tells us to love our enemies. Is he saying have warm, fuzzy feeling towards your enemies? No. He's saying do actions for them to love them. All right? They wouldn't be your enemies if he's telling you to, you know, love them emotionally. That's not what he's saying. He's saying love them through your actions. A Christian loves people through their actions. Okay? Fourthly, desire to honor the Lord with thought and deed. And that's just a good question. Do you, is that you? Do you desire to honor the Lord with thought and with deed? If I followed you around, today's the 29th, 
I followed you around for a week, I'd be able to say, yeah, there's clear evidence that he loves the Lord. He is a Christian because of his deeds and the way he thinks, his worldview. Right? That's a good question to wrestle with. All right. So now we're going to look at the actual, you can say there, back to our question. I'm struggling with blank. Can I still be a Christian? The key word in this title is struggling. Okay. So we're going to look at struggling versus living in sin. All right. Knowingly living in sin and it not being a pattern in your life or fighting it. So first John one, five through seven. Can you read that again? you mind reading that? Yeah. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have a fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. All right, thank you. All right, so what is verse 6 saying? All right. Think about that verse six a second. I'm going to read it out loud again. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. All right. What's another way to say that? Uh, if we're calling ourselves Christian, but we're still living for ourselves, it's not exactly. Awesome. Exactly. All right. Here's another way to say it. If we say we are Christian, but the way we live our lives shows little to no evidence of us being a Christian, we are lying to ourselves and to others. We are, in fact, not true followers of Christ, but want people to think we are and have deceived ourselves into thinking we are Christians. Okay, that's heavy. I think a lot of people, a lot of college students in our country are deceived into thinking, yeah, as long as I go to these conferences or go to a campus meeting or go uh, to church, I'm a Christian. Um, and those are all good things. Those are great things. I'm glad you're here at this conference, but that's not what makes you a Christian. It's what you do when people aren't around, okay? Or it's what you do when your non-Christian friends are around and your Christian friends or somewhere else, okay? Not true followers of Christ. We we want people to think we are and are deceived ourselves into thinking we are Christians. And I know at this point, um, there are some of you uh, that fall off the side of the horse of always thinking you're not saved, okay? The good news to you guys is you probably are because you, you're, you're nervous about not being saved. All right. I'm mainly talking about people who fall on the other side of the horse that say, as long as I do good deeds, then I have a saving faith. Okay. That doesn't always mean that is the case. Uh, it's the word struggling. Okay. Struggling is key here. Um, I am struggling with blank. Can I still be a Christian? All right. The key word is struggling. Um, I've been around. I met with enough college students in my time on staff that I know college students have said this to me. I am struggling with pornography. I am struggling with sexual morality. I'm struggling with drunkenness. I'm struggling with drug addiction. 
whatever you fill in that blank, okay? What does the Bible teach us on this? Can you still follow Christ if you're struggling with some of those blanks? All right, we're going to look at Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Will somebody else read that? Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. All right, that is a very serious, and I'm, I'm sorry I'm so serious, but that is a serious and scary passage. Um, but it's in the scripture, and it's one we need to look at. The New Living Translation says that in verse, that verse 21, just as I told you in time past, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. New King James Version says that those who practice such things will not inherit the, king of, uh, the kingdom of God, all right? And this, this particular, this is ESV, that those who do, and it's got that little uh, subheading right there, um, and the do in that is practice in the Greek, okay? So um, I want you to think of the word practice in this. Here's what Wearsby said. Listen to this. The difficulty lies in the word practice. This word in Greek is prasso, and it means to be occupied with, to accomplish, or to practice. The idea is performed repeatedly or habitual, and thus describes repetition or continuous action. Paul is not talking about an act of sin, but a habit of sin. Okay? So if you fill in that blank, is blank a habit in your life? Right? Is that a habit? Is that something you have to have daily or weekly or whatever? Is this something I do very often? Swindoll says this, the tense is present, indicating a habitual continuation in fleshly sins rather than an isolated lapse. Paul's point is that continual trafficking in sin is evidence of the lack of spiritual life. Whereas occasional lapses into sin are a sign of carnality in the saved. All right. So is it a continuation in sin? Are you living in it? Right. That's a good question to ask yourself. All right. Or is it a struggle that you're seeing victory in, that you fought for victory in, that people are helping you fight for victory in? All right. Uh, Luke 6, 44 says, for each tree is known by its own fruit. All right, what does that mean? Somebody say that verse differently. What does that verse mean? Yeah, what would you say? Okay, good. Out of the overflow of the mouth, the heart speaks. No, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Yeah, all right. So what is in your heart is going to eventually come out. A tree is known by a fruit. If you are orange tree, you should produce oranges. If you are apple tree, you should produce apples. All right. So this is asking who or what is your God? All right. Idols. All right. Idols. Think about idols for a second. All right. Is your idol comfort? 
Is your idol relationship? Is your idol pleasure? Is your idol greed? Is your idol glory? Or is your idol you? Okay, what are you living for? All right, I know a lot of college students are living for the American dream. They, they want the big house, nice car, the white picket fence, and the 2.2 kids. Is that an idol in your life? Right? Is that an idol? Right? Is that what you're living for? Think about that. Right? Who or what is your God? All right. Back to, I'm going to wrap this up. Back to uh, verse 6 of 1 John 1 6. If we say we have fellowship with him, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. All right? Replace the word struggling, all right, in our in our uh, title with practice or living in. I am practicing or living in blank and it changes everything, okay? If you are living in these works of the flesh and the Bible clearly teaches you are not following Christ. It clearly teaches you won't inherit the kingdom of God. It clearly teaches you're not a follower of Christ. You're not a Christian. Yes, God? Um, so what do I do? What do I do? All right. Um, if you're sitting there and you're, you're like, oh, crap, I'm not sure if I'm a Christian. I think that's a good application. So first, uh, first application is examine yourself to see if you have a saving faith. That's biblical. Second Corinthians 13, five. All right. And again, if you're the type that's always questioning uh, if you're saved or not, your questioning uh, is probably a good indication that you, you are a Christian because you're having experiencing conviction, right? Those who aren't saved probably don't care about that. They don't care if they're saved or not, right? But on the other side, right, you should examine to make sure that you're not living a lie, that you're not just saying you're a Christian and there's no evidence of faith, all right? Examine yourself. That's good, all right? Secondly, develop your relationship. John 15 teaches us to abide in Christ. We are to grow in our faith, grow in our relationship with Christ, all right? You being at this conference is good. It's, it could be that you're wanting to grow in Christ. It could be you had an alternative motive. You want to see some good-looking men or some pretty women, okay? Or you want it... Uh, just to be with your friends or just have fun, okay? All these things are good, okay? But what is the motive of your heart? Do you want to grow in your faith? Do you want to abide in Christ? Colossians 3, pursue righteousness. Set your mind on things above. Like that, I have to fight that. Like my sin is definitely not a ton of outward sin if you follow me around for a week. But I have to remind myself to set my mind on things above. Don't think of fleshly things, Okay. Fight that. Fight struggle with that. All right. That's a good struggle to have. Pursue righteousness. Fourth application. Be killing sin or it'll be killing you. Matthew 530. All right. Jesus tells us it's better to cut off our right hand than be thrown into hell. What does he mean by that? Does he really want you to cut off your right hand? Doubtfully, okay, but what he is saying is radically amputate sin from your life. Radically do it, 
Okay. If you struggle with pornography, get rid of that in your life. Get rid of your phone for a little while. Get rid of what computer, whatever. Radically do things to cut sin out of your life because of Jesus, because he loves you. And the last one, I always like to end with this. Pursue humility. Um, Luke 14, 10, Jesus tells his disciples to, or tells the people listening to don't pick the chair of honor, but to pick the chair that's farthest away from the seat of honor. All right? Does he tell his disciples to get their heart right, uh, be humble, um, and then you'll choose to pick the last? No. He says actively pursue humility by going sitting in a chair that's not a seat of honor. That's what I'm asking you guys. Actively pursue humility in your life. Okay? Fight for humility. I think um, one of the things that Campus Outreach fails in is if we teach you guys or train you guys to share your faith and study your Bible, you go to a summer project, you become a room leader, all those things, and then you graduate and you go into the church. And if you are a prideful, arrogant person because you've trained, you've been trained, we have failed you. We don't want you to be that way. We want you to pursue humility the rest of your life. That's, that's evidence of salvation. That's evidence you know Jesus. You love Jesus. Fight against pride. If you, if, um, if you look back at the title, back to our question, I'm struggling with if pride, uh, pride can be in every one of our blanks. <laughs> I'm struggling with pride. Can I still be a Christian? Yes, you can, but fight it. Struggle, okay? Struggle against hate pride, hate arrogance. Fight pride. Um, sit in the lowest place of honor. Make sense? All right, I'm here for a little while. If you got questions on specific things in your blank, I'd love to talk about it. I'm at the bottom of that handout. Oh, is it? Yeah, my name and email address. So if you'd like to email me a question, I'm great with that too. Um, I'm going to pray for us and then you're free to go. Let me pray. Oh Lord, my goal every time I share with students is to be helpful. And I hope today uh, was helpful. I pray, Father, that some may have understood the good news of Christ for the first time and examined their heart. Um, Lord, I pray others would be helped to know that they need to keep fighting. Uh, fighting and having victory over the sin in their lives, Lord, to honor you because of you. Uh, we love you, and we desire to honor you with our lives. So help us to do that, Holy Spirit. Uh, thank you for these students. I pray they have a great rest of the conference. They will be spurred on uh, to love you more and grow in their faith. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this message from Campus Outreach. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without written permission from Campus Outreach. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at conycnd.com.